0: Thank you. You guys have the most amazing pastors. Would you help me honor them? And I can say that because they've been our best friends for 20 plus years. And the first time I ever met Pastor Mike, I was standing on this platform and he was sitting right over here. And this was about 22 years ago. I was finishing my internship under Pastor Dwayne Vanderclock at Granville Res. And as an intern, uh, they have sent me down on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night to preach. And uh, they have said, hey, the new guy they're bringing on is gonna be there, and that was Pastor Mike. And that's how we first met 22 years ago. Uh, our wives are best friends, we're great friends. We, we try to see how many boards we can get the other pushed on. And so I've gotten him to serve on a few boards. He's trying to get me on a few boards. And here's what I'm saying. We've just had a a lot of fun. And today what I want to do is I, it's kind of a special service. So for our first time guest, a special welcome to you. I'm glad that you're here. And if you're checking things out, you came at a perfect week because, um, There's some changes going on, as as Pastor Mike uh, mentioned. First of the year, we're going to be adopting you guys as part of Victory Life Church. And so I kind of want to take an opportunity to minister the word, encourage you with God's word, but also make it a little bit of a special service to kind of introduce who we are. And, and what life can look like moving forward, and what God has been doing, and to really kind of step back from the local small C church to the big C church, and the kingdom of God, and how we advance that together. So can, can you buckle in and get ready for that? Okay, so no, I'm just going to kind of tweak this and make this a little different, and if you're taking notes, uh, I'm going to encourage you with this. If you're taking notes, um, the title of today's message is The Power of a Story because there's just power in somebody's story. We all have a story. And uh, I've I've shared that Pastor Mike and Jill and uh, Eileen and I, we've known each other for 21 plus years and uh, we've experienced a lot of life. In fact, I brought a photo of Pastor Mike and I trying out for the choir. uh, And and so do we have that picture? Um, There you go. Well, maybe we're not trying out for the choir. (laughs) But, uh, <laughs> you know, I found this as I was going through and we, we did a trip to Israel uh, a few years ago before COVID. And uh, this is the Jordan right behind us there. And so we got to baptize people from our church in the Jordan River. We got to enjoy the Holy Land together. And it's just one of either that or that's the St. Joe River. I'm not sure which one that is behind us. They look about the same. But, um, but there there's stories you share when you share life. And, and there's power in the story when you let God write the story. Yes. In fact, there's so much power in a story that when you let God write the story, Revelation tells us that it's actually used to defeat the enemy. Yes. In Revelation, it says that they overcame the enemy by the power of the blood there's no substitution over the power of the blood. You got to have the power of the blood of Jesus Christ in your life. But as you let Him write your story, it is the blood and the story that God wants to write in your life that can be used to defeat the enemy. That's right. It can be. It can bring hope to the hopeless. That's right. It can bring peace where there is no peace. That's right. And that's the power of story. And so I just kind of want to share with you the story of victory life church my story a little bit what's going to be our story here before too long uh and, and i'm going to just kind of start with a little giveaway here do i have any coffee drinkers here that i mean just really love coffee uh i'm going to tell you i'm going to separate it. is there any coffee drinkers here where you're at this level you grind your own coffee beans right over i saw this hand first i'm going to i'm going to, would you, red sweater she gets it okay Yes. All right. Um, That that bag of coffee I just gave away. I I should have held it up. There's a story behind that. And on the back, it tells of the story. Can I, Eileen, would you grab me that one right next to you in the chair? Just right here. There we go. I, I gave it away. There's a story behind our coffee. This was a story where I'm having lunch with a bunch of businessmen and we're talking about missionaries. We're talking about God's work. And they're talking about a missions down in Mexico and they're all saying, I'm I'm one of eight at this table. I don't know these guys. This is a luncheon. I was invited to. And they were all saying, we really need to get behind this missionary cause in Mexico. And as they were begin talking, it became evident that we were going to take an offering for this missionary at this table. And as they were saying, we really need to financially make this happen. And I realized the company that I was in, these guys were all business entrepreneurs that were capable of writing six and seven figure donations. And I'm trying to find out how maybe I could squeak out a hundred bucks on this one if they take checks or uh, Venmo. But uh, other than that, I've got like 10 bucks in my pocket. And so I'm feeling a little uncomfortable as this Story is developing and then finally one of the guys go, We have been talking about this tortilla chip business for quite some time. Let's launch that and let that business fund the missionary so we don't have to write checks every month. That's a great idea. And so today they sell that tortilla chips in the stores. It's made in Grand Rapids, and it was in the business was started for the purpose of funding this missionary. So every month, we didn't have to have lunch and write a check. I took that story, and we have coffee. Coffee's our passion in our culture. We have a lot of people on staff. We just love our coffee. We've been into coffee, so we took that passion. We bought a Dietrich roaster, and for two years, we just burned beans and had fun. But somewhere after burning beans, we got really good at it. If some are familiar with madcap coffee, this actually beat madcap coffee in a competition in the Midwest. And what we do is the proceeds to this funds a safe house in St. Louis that was started by a former FBI agent that not only rescues women out of human trafficking, but this is why we wanted to get behind this cause is it's a safeway house that they live at for two years where they counsel women and try to bring them back to normal again so they can function in life. That's the story behind a bag of coffee. Everybody has a story. And I could have given you this bag of coffee, and you probably would have enjoyed it, because it's really a good bag of coffee. But you might enjoy it a little bit more now that you know the story. And so that's where I want to go today. Because Victory Life Church, when I hear that name, it's an emotional experience. Because there's a story behind it. And, and we were in a meeting and we were talking about Victory Life and, and somebody said in the meeting, well, why Victory Life? I don't know if I like the name. And I just realized, oh, it's because he doesn't know the story. And so this is a story that I share uh, when people come to join Victory Life Church. It's a part of our new members class. And, and it really just tells a little bit uh, of the history uh, of our story and really how you guys become a part of that story. You guys become a part of that story. It started about 13 months ago, as Pastor Mike said. We were having a, uh, a, a lunch at Chin Chin's. If you know Pastor Mike, whenever I have lunch with him, he comes with a list of questions. I joke because he has a list of questions. I show up with a blank piece of paper. At the end of our lunch, his questions are answered and my paper is full, which means we feed off each other. We, our wisdom and our collaboration, he has wisdom that I need. I have wisdom uh, he thinks he needs, and so I impart it. And at the end, we, we have these two full pieces of paper. And so about 13 months ago, we go to have lunch, and I know some of, most of you have heard the story, but it, I'm going to tell it from our perspective. God was beginning to do something at Victory Life Church. We had a church just south of us call us that was ready to close their doors, and they said, we heard of your work. Would you take our church? And we said, that'd be great. And we started to lay plans to be multi-site. And 30 days later, Pastor Mike says, do you want to have lunch? And uh, as I'm heading out to lunch, I mean, we've known each other for 21 years. Eileen goes, I wonder if he wants to talk to you about the church and possibly taking the church. And I just kind of laughed. I said, yeah, wouldn't that be crazy? We just had a phone call and we have lunch. And he begins to talk and at the very end, he says, I'm looking at retiring. Are you interested uh, in helping with that process and being a part of Road to Life? And this story begins to develop. And I remember how honored I was because I know how much this man loves this church and how much he loves you. It was almost like somebody saying, if anything happens to us, will you look after our kids? You're excited, but you're humbled at the same time. And that's how this story began. So Victory Life, where did we go with Victory Life? Well, here's the story. There's really two verses that make up Victory Life Church. We started the church in Battle Creek 21 years ago. And when we went down there, there were 65 people in the church. They were ready to close their doors. If uh, they gave us an invite to come take the church, and if we would have said no, they were going to close their doors. Um, Similar situation, the pastor was getting ready to retire, didn't have a successor in mind. And so um, he gave us a call, and, and we had known him for many years as well. And so we show up with 65 people, we're excited, we're young, we're naive, we're ready to set the world on fire. It had a different name, it had a different affiliation, and we walked in the door July 1st, 2001, and in our first 60 days that we were down there, we had, during worship, we had this prophet ministry, prophetic ministry, and I joked and said it was pathetic ministry, but anyway, we had a prophetic ministry, and during worship, um, they would prophesy against Eileen and I. And then we had to get up and preach because they didn't like the change. They wanted everything to stay the same. So they would, one prophet would get up after the second song and, and prophesize doom and gloom and the, you know, lukewarm and I spew you. Uh, and then the other, they were friends. They would, they wouldn't sit together. They would sit on opposite sides. The friend would jump up and they would prophesy. And then the song would finish and I'd have to get up and preach, right? And so we had that and we're new at this. I mean, this is our first church. And, and, and so nobody told us it was going to be like this. And so that went on for about three to four weeks, and then about a month into our new launch, Eileen's brother commits suicide. We didn't see that one coming, and that devastated us. And we're trying to calibrate our life. We're we're trying to figure out how this could happen. And as we were recovering and we did the funeral, this was the first uh, family member that had passed, especially tragically. And 10 days later, her dad dies. And so we're back in the funeral home. We're trying to sell our house. The prophets are prophesying, and we're brokenhearted. We're devastated. If there was a way to go back to a life in the corporate world, I I, I would have jumped at the chance. If there was a way to go back to Grand Rapids, we lived in Hudsonville, we, we would have taken it. We managed to get through August. We managed to try to get our feet established, and 9-11 happens. The Twin Towers drop, the world shuts down. We're in way over our heads. Now we're trying to minister to a community during a world tragedy, and we have tragedy in our own life. We have tragedy in the church. Uh, it, it 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 was quite an experience to launch a church our first 90 days, that's what we dealt with. We had a friend that could see we were thin emotionally, and they gave us the keys to their cabin up on Heart Lake. And they said, just head up there, it's gonna be late September, everybody's off the lake, everybody's uh, you know, locked up their cabin, you're gonna have the whole lake to yourself, enjoy it. We go up to Hart, Michigan, the fall colors are starting to pop, the lake is gorgeous, it's still warm, we've got three little boys at this point, um, you know, they, they were probably ages seven to, uh, to 10 or 12 right in there. And we're at Heart Lake um, and they're, they're, the name of the church was Battle Creek Area Christian Fellowship. And I remember getting up early and taking my Bible down to the water. The cabin was on a high bluff and there was these wooden steps that just kinda zigzagged down the bluff and they had a dock that went out. And I remember sitting, getting up early when Eileen and the boys were still sleeping. And I had a folding lawn chair, had my coffee, because God shows up when there's a good cup of coffee. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the deck, or on the dock, and I've got my folding chair, I've got my coffee, I've got my Bible. And I'm just looking, I'm just looking, uh, I remember there was steam coming up off the, the lake. Uh... The, the lake was starting to wake up. There, there was uh, all of a sudden squirrels started to scamper through the leaves. Ducks were coming in and settling in. And it was this tranquility that I was experiencing of just, the, the, the lake was just as smooth as glass with this steam rising up. And I said, Lord, if we are what the word of God says we are, then why aren't I seeing a bigger difference in the church and, and I'm, I'm mad I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm, I'm, I'm spent I, I've got nothing in my tank emotionally I've got, I'm, I'm just dry spiritually and I'm having this honest conversation with God and I just said <clears throat> why are marriages failing in the church at the same rate they're failing outside of the church if this book has the promises, and, it, and we are what it says we are, why isn't there a greater contrast between light and dark, between victory and, and defeat? Why, why are the teens as messed up in the church as they seem to be outside the church? I don't get it, Lord. I don't get it. And, and I go, why is that? And as I sat there in that quietness, real clearly, God spoke Luke 4.17 4, and 18 to me. And this was what he said. This is the moment where Jesus goes into the temple after being baptized, and he reads this verse. And it says, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he opened the book, he found a place where it was written. And verse 18 is what God spoke to me. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Another translation just simply says, I've come to preach to the poor in spirit, to heal the broken heart, and to set the captives free. In that moment, 22 years ago, he was calling us to make that our ministry. To preach to the poor in spirit, those that don't know Christ they don't know hope, to preach to the poor in spirit, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And I realized there's only one that can heal the broken heart, And that's the love of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything else is just medication to mask the pain, but there's one that heals and restores. The other thing I see when I read that is God has to heal your spirit before he can heal your heart. He has to redeem the spirit. And if you trust him with your life to redeem your spirit for all of eternity, then he can go to work to healing the soul and the heart and the brokenness. And he said, I've come to preach to the poor in spirit, to heal the broken heart, and to set the captives free. And I didn't know how that was going to look, but for 21 years, I've been pursuing God on how to heal brokenness, how to set captives free, and how to reach the lost. That's what we've been building for 21 years. We've done different ministries. We have great ministries and outreaches called The Return and The Journey for the Women. We have freedom ministry, small groups, and it's not just because we went to a conference and that was a cool thing that was happening. It was because I had an encounter with God 21 years ago, and my heart has been, how do I reach people for the gospel of Christ, and how do we heal brokenness in their lives? Because there's only one that can do it, and we got the answer. We, we can't keep it to ourselves, but we've got to let the world know that healing and restoration is available through the power of Christ. Amen. And so in that moment, as I'm sitting there, <clears throat> man, this is crazy because I was talking about this story in my head all week, and I was just kind of going through that story, but I just didn't realize how much it still means to me. I, I, I remember clearly as I'm talking to you this moment down by the lake, and in the next moment, he gave me a second verse. He gave me Luke, uh, uh, the first one he gave me is Luke 4 4:18. And then the second one he gave me right away was John 10:10. 10, 10. And in John 10:10, 10, 10, he says, "The thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have life abundantly." That's right. You know what's interesting is so many people think that verse says, "The thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but it says he comes to steal." And then kill. Meaning, this, he has to steal the word of God out of your life before he can kill your dreams. And he comes first to steal the promises that will change our lives. And if he can steal our hope and he can steal the promises, then he can kill the dreams and the vision and the purpose that God has for our lives. And so when he said, not only do I come to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. And it was really an answer to my question that I saw so much of Christianity be just get functional and learn to get by. And that's good. And I'm like, Jesus paid too much of a price on the cross for you and I to just get by in life. The blood of the cross wasn't designed so that your marriage could be okay and functional. It is meant to be the abundant life. All aspects are meant to be the abundant life. That's the promise he has given you. So in that context of those two verses is where the name Victory Life Church was birthed in that very moment. I came from a church called Resurrection Life, and so I was trying to think of something, and all of a sudden, Victory Life, and our tagline below it says, there's more to life. And that's a rephrasing of John ten, 10 I've come to give you life, and life abundantly. Victory Life Church, there's more to life. Victory Life Church, he, it is the good news of the gospel, it's the healing of brokenheartedness, and it is setting the captives free. That is a life of victory. Can I get an amen from somebody? Yeah. What I've learned is that healing and freedom is not an event, but it's become a way of life. For 21 years I've been letting him heal my heart and soul. And I'm I'm more healed and restored than I was a year ago, and if I keep growing in the Lord, I hope I can stand here a year from now and tell you I'm more healed and restored than I am today. At Victory Life, we say this, that we love people enough, we'll love them where they're at, but we, if you love them, you can't let them stay where they're at. And we say it this way, at Victory Life, you either grow or you go, meaning we will do everything we can to grow you to the next level of healing and freedom and restoration and there's just some people that it gets so uncomfortable that rather than growing, they go. But we won't stop telling the message that he heals and restores. That's right. yeah. Even if it makes people uncomfortable. But you do it in a way to encourage and to challenge so that you see life transformed. That's, that's the family we become. Amen? Amen. And that's what I wanted to encourage you. I I know change is difficult. I know there's just a grieving of change, but your pastors that you have known and loved for 20 some years, they're, they're still a part of the church. He's still a part of the preaching team. They're part of the serving team. And whether five years from now, God gets a hold of Jill's heart and takes them out to Arizona. I don't know, but they will always be a part of the church. Regardless, they'll always be a part of the church. <laughs> but God is good, and that's the message I wanted to bring to you today. Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to, there's a slide I missed of just our app, and it, it, it really fit better at the beginning, but it is important we want you if you want to keep up to date of just the latest news and the changes and what's going on uh, You can download our victory life app. We've got some really neat things the first of the year for for this campus So probably be about March of discipleship, but really just what's going on. What's the latest? I just want to encourage you our culture our church we just We live through this app. It just tells everything that's going on, everything you need to know, anything you want to sign up for, be a part of. It's all driven through there. And then we do stuff at the information desk for those that aren't phone savvy, but I want to just end with this. God wants to write a story in your life. And if you're willing to trust him, not only will he write that story, But it'll be a story that's so powerful that that combined with the blood will defeat the enemy. And that's what he's offering today. And for those, some of you are on a journey and you're trying to find something that's real. There's one question that every heart needs to have answered in order to find your story, to allow God to write that story, to write that purpose, to write that plan. There's one question that journey begins with and the question is this is my heart right with God? You get that question answered and God can begin to write your story. And in writing that story, he begins the healing, he begins the restoration that's promised in the word. The abundant life can be found. And so with every head bowed and every eyes closed, what I want to do is I want to create an environment where you can have a moment with God to ask an honest question. Lord, is my heart right with you? And in that moment, if you're finding, you're thinking to yourself, I hope so, or I think so, or you might be saying, I try to be a good person, I try to do the right thing. Listen, trying harder to be good doesn't make you right with God. But the Bible says in Romans, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And what that verse means is there's got to be a defining moment in our lives where we didn't just believe in God or try harder to be a good person, but that verse tells us there's gotta be a defining moment that we surrender our lives and we say, Jesus, come into my life and rescue me. And if you don't have a defining moment like that, this is your moment right now. This is where God is given permission to write your story of healing and freedom. This is where it begins. And so I'm going to pray on the count of three, and I'm going to pray for anybody here, if you're watching online, to text, but anybody here that is saying, I don't know if my heart's right with God, but today I want to know for sure, include me in that prayer. If that describes you, on the count of three, I'm just going to have you raise your hand. Don't miss this opportunity. One, two. This is it right now, three, just raise your hand. Include me in that prayer, thank you. I see that hand right there. I see this hand in the front here, is there another one? I don't know if my heart's right with God, but today I wanna know for sure. I see that hand right over there, awesome, awesome. Anybody else? Romans 9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. What a beautiful promise that is. And that's what we're going to pray right now. And this is where your story will begin. I'm so excited, so proud of you. So if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer from your heart and church. If you'd pray along for encouragement, but if you'd just pray, Oh, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe you died on the cross. That you rose again. And you're seated on the throne jesus forgive me for all that i've done wrong and i choose to forgive all others come into my life today and forever i am yours in jesus name amen and amen